and welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. My name is Jasmine. I'm your host for season three of the podcast. I can't believe I'm actually in season three already. And today I have the privilege of having Kathy Casey with me. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Good to be here. How are you? Mm, Doing great. Living in crazy California and I'm a grandma. So never in a million years would I imagine how amazing that experience has been. So uh, between that and and doing this work, um, I I have to pinch myself. I feel very, very lucky. I feel very lucky. I see your artwork in the back. That's their their artwork. (laughs) And there's more in other places. um, Every time I spend time with them, we're always doing some kind of creative Play-Doh, paint sticks, whatever. And I think at this point, I could be certified as a preschool teacher because it's forced me to get creative and think about things because they love to do things. So it's been fun. It's been fun. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So Kathy, for the people who are listening to me, I I mean, I I know that a lot of people that are listening to me already know you, but for those who don't, can you tell, let them know a little bit what you do and. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, basically, I've always been involved in in helping people, quote, parentheses, ever since I was like a teenager. Um, but as I was, you know, as I went into my 30s and 40s, I was a social worker, then I became a psychotherapist, you know, and worked in, in that field, got my degree in clinical psychology, and, and, you know, really being involved in that. But at some point, I, I didn't feel that it was very hopeful, the work that I was doing. It was, we were really looking at what was wrong with people. As a social worker, it's like there was never an end to helping with resources and helping, uh, you know, I was into civil rights and women's rights and everybody rights. And, and, and I found myself being mentally exhausted, uh, lo- loving what I was doing, but I, I felt very drained a lot. And so I was getting ready to leave the whole field in general and just go into something. And I started thinking about, well, I think I'll just go to chef school, you know, because I love to cook and food makes people happy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what I'm going to, I mean, I was really looking at that. I was about 45 years old and I thought I'm done with the psychology and social work and all of that stuff. And I just want to do that. And it was right at that point when I was at the tail end of getting my master's degree in psychology that by accident, I, I tripped into the three principles, mm. literally not planning on it. I was just trying to get my degree, get a paid internship. And a woman invited me to this four-day program. Not that I really wanted to go. I had no time to go, but I thought if I'm trying to score a full-time job with benefits that, that will pay for my education, then you, you got to go with it. Well, believe it or not, as I'm looking at how I could slip out of the because there was like 85 people there. I thought, oh, I could just slip out. You know, she she saw me, I waved to her <laughs> and I'm looking at, well, I could go out this back door. So that was where I was at. And by 12 o'clock that day, something caught my ear. Joe Bailey was the, the guy up on the stage. And for some reason, as I'm looking to escape, something would catch my ear. 
and then I'm looking to leave and then and all of a sudden the penny dropped and I saw it I said I raised my hand I said now I've just spent 45 probably thousand dollars you know for education and blah 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 it you know is that going to go out the door like is that <laughs> and he he's a clinical trained guy he goes yes <laughs> I said I had a feeling about that but it but it was so hopeful see it went from oh what's the point it just never goes anywhere to this would be a way to help people become empowered so that's when it clicked for me and that my first project I was doing a job to pay myself through graduate school, uh, doing data collection in a jail. We were doing, you know, who was using drugs, what kind of drugs are they using for the National Institute of Criminal Justice. And so as I'm doing that, it occurs to me, wow, maybe, maybe it would be cool for these folks to learn the principles, you know, people who are locked up. Yeah. So um, that's when I got the idea to start bringing it in into the jails and the prisons. So that's kind of what how it all started and then from that point on like about 25 years ago to today i've been teaching this in the corporate world and prisons and jails and government and and homeless shelters and israeli soldiers and folks in norway and just everywhere all over the world in europe and the uk and again i it's just amazing it, mm. uh, where this has taken me so that's kind of my life. And being a grandma is number one priority right now. That's, that's my, that's where my heart is. There you go. So, so that's me. That's me. Wow. Sounds like fun. <laughs> it, it's been fun. It's been, uh, at times I, I was in over my head, didn't know what was going on. The, to me, the hard part for me was the traveling. I did a lot of traveling. So the flying to you know different countries and and getting through all that stuff but once i'm in front of a group of people or working with individuals and and then it shifted to zoom um i'm just like yeah it is fun 100 fun so if you like what would be the first thing like I, as you know there the podcast is dream it dare it do it live the life you want and if i can give you a little bit of a background why um I called it that mm -hmm. it's because um, I, I got when I was in my teens, mid teens, well, 15, I'll just say 15. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a boyfriend and I was with the boyfriend for a long time, like seven mm -hmm. years. Then I broke up with him and then I fell into my career. Okay. And then I was in my career for like 10 years. And then but both time I kind of like woke up at one point, knowing nothing of the three principles, just woke up saying, yeah. oh, I just don't like this. There has yeah. to be something, yeah. something else that ha just has to. And when I quit my job, I started, my, I, I say I started my company, but I became self-employed. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when I had to make a bill, my first bill, the guy said, well, what's your company? And I was like, oh, I have to have a company. Okay. So <laughs> I created a company yeah, yeah, yeah. off the top of my head. Absolutely. Here it is. So I called it D3, D to the power of three. And he was like, what does that mean? And I was like, man, it was like D bien, because my last name is D bien, D bien to the power of three. I like, but that's not very romantic. Let me try something else. So I said, it's dream it, dare it, do it. 
And I like, I loved it. So that was like in 2000, right? And I never really used it, like, because I was uh-huh. working with the corporate world. It wasn't uh-huh. really uh-huh. like, uh, uh, yeah, well, hi, you want to work with me? Dream it there, do it. And it's uh-huh. just like, it didn't work. But as I became a coach and I wanted to do this podcast, because I just love yapping away and talking and exploring and uh-huh. I said, dream it dare I do it I love that I just love it right so what showed up for me like what comes up for me in this whole story is that I always wanted to do what I wanted Uh uh and I dared and I was I mean I did a lot of things in my life and I have a lot of people who would look at me like again again Jasmine Uh Uh and I'd be like yeah it looks like it yeah (laughs) so in, in your experience, um, have, well, first of all, have you had this, I want to live the life I want mm-hmm, bit? Mm-hmm. Have you had that for yourself? Um, maybe I, I did it kind of, um, cause look, looking back, even before I even knew the principles, the thing about me and I, it's just how I am, no matter what I'm doing, I usually love it. Mm. So you could put me anywhere, you know, you could put me in McDonald's and I would just get into it. I mean, that's just how I am, you know, about working and, and being around people. Um, Maybe it's the Irish in me. I don't know. But so I I would just really enjoy myself regardless of where I was. But what would happen would be, um, I'd be in that, that enjoyment, really enjoying it, enjoying it. And then all of a sudden I would get into thinking about oh, this is getting more formal, or this is, they're wanting me to, to fit into the system and they're going to be, they're going to be more rules. And so, so usually something I really enjoy as it got to be too, too much form on it and too much bureaucracy and whatever, I like, okay, time to go. So that's what I would do. I would jump into a position or, you know, social work or corporate world, really get into it. Love it, love it, love, love the people. But then all of a sudden I'd start getting into all this thinking about, no, there are too many rules. It's getting too structured because I love being in startup mode. So I thought, well, that's the only place I can fit. So that was my career. I mean, people who knew me, they would say, okay, she's coming up to five years in a job. She's going to go. And you could predict it. It would By the fifth year, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for something else. So now I didn't realize, because I always thought the next thing I was going to do was going to be the thing. So when I, when I finally decided I want to become a psychotherapist, I thought, now that's going to make sense. That's going to be the thing. And sure enough, I'm almost finished with four years of, you know, clinical psychology. And I'm like, this ain't it either. So I was, I would start enthusiastic and get going to dissatisfaction. And that's been my pattern. That's always been my pattern. And I didn't realize, because I was ascribed, ascribed it to the situation, like bureaucracy, too many rules, or a certain boss. No, it was, of course, my thinking. But I didn't know it was me. I thought it was out there. And I was just making meaning about what was going on around me. And so, and so if the meaning wasn't so great, and I didn't feel so enthused, and I lost that, inspiration, well, I have to go to a different place. And now I understand, looking back, 
because I loved every place that I worked and I could still be there in one of those if I'd known this. Potentially, I could still be doing whatever it is that I love doing, but I didn't realize that where my thinking was is what was running the show, not the environment or the situation. So for me, that's kind of how it worked. So when I realized that, um, then I saw the hopefulness in doing what I've always done, being a service to people, but from a whole different standpoint. And if I get discouraged or I, I, I start looking at, oh, it's not working out because of the person or the environment, I'm hip to that now. I'm hip to that. I go, oh, you're just in a lot of thinking about it. So, and, and that, that helps me stick with things. But I did choose to be freelance. I, I had an opportunity to go into a nine to five permanent benefits for life situation where I could actually still teach the principles or I could walk away from that and go freelance and without any guarantee of income. And something inside of me said, no, your freelance is the way I'm going to go. So I did have that preference. Not mm-hmm. everybody, most people would say, no, I'm going to stick with this and they'll do just as well. I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with it, but I realized I would have more freedom and flexibility to travel all over the world. But at the time I didn't know I was going to be traveling all over, but intuitively I felt like if I stayed put, it would hold me up. So I, I literally did make that decision to become freelance. And the guy who wanted me to stay, he got mad at me because he really wanted me to be in his organization so that I could train people and, and you know get his department up and running on this. So it was a big decision, but I'm glad I, I made that decision. Never look back. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if I answered your question, but I don't know. You, it, yeah, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is like if you if you think about it, like because now it's been a while, right? You've been in the principles for a long time, but oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember the the first thing that you heard that really made you go, holy cow? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, and it it was um, like I said, I was there kind of looking at how I could escape, mm-hmm. but something caught my ear. And when they really, really describe the principles of mind, thought, and consciousness, when they really said it, however they said it, the way it hit me wasn't like, it, 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 it explained my life is what happened. As, as I heard what they were really saying, I said, well, that explains why that happened. Oh, now I understand. It helped me kind of, it was like my life flashed before me, mm. but it was flashing where I'm like, oh, that's why. Oh, no wonder. Oh, that accounts for that. It was so eye-opening because it explained my life, where as I went through my life, I was mostly clueless. I thought things were happening to me when after I heard what I heard in that moment, no, you were creating that unbeknownst to yourself and then thinking that it was coming from outside of you. And it was the most exhilarating feeling because it, it, I felt like wow. Cause you know, I used to always get down on myself, you know, I should have done better. I should have been a better mother. I should have stayed in one job. I should have, I, I should have made, made my marriage work, you know, all of that stuff that I used to carry around. And then I realized, oh, I was innocently in all this thinking and not knowing that. So I saw my own psychological innocence 
And wow, that just took a heavy, it was like this big weight was lifted off of me. So that was my experience when I first got a hit off that. Mm. And then after that, I went right back into my head trying to figure it out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, now how does this work? And how do you do it? I mean, I went right back in there. But I, I was lucky I had really good mentors, Roger Mills and Mark Howard and, and George Pransky. And of course, you know, Sydney Banks. And they were so patient with me as I started to realize, no, you don't try to figure it out. You don't, it's, it, it doesn't work that way, Kathy. And over time, I was able to, you know, see what I see now, but also teaching helps you see it more. And yeah. that, that's the other thing. Yeah. That, thing. Yeah. That, what, what occurred to me was in, in all of the years that you've been teaching, what is the thing that still surprises you that people ask you? Yeah. Like, what is oh. that thing that you kind of go? Well, I, I, oh, I the people, because I get asked. In fact, usually at big conferences, when they start including a Q&A section, I'll never forget this in, in London, uh, the Takun conference, they said, we want to do a question answer session before the regular session starts, because I'll, there are a lot of new people. And, and so it'd be a place where people could ask questions because in the conference, because there's so many, it wasn't set up for people asking questions. So they elected me to do it. And we were staying at this beautiful hotel and had this beautiful buffet food. And, and because I, they elected me to do it, I had to leave early. So I missed the fancy breakfast. <laughs> I said, really, for the six people who are going to show up, who's going to show up an hour early? to ask a question. I, and I was, you know, you know, kind of grumpy about the whole thing. <laughs> and, and Rabbi Shaw, he gives me the, I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I show up and they're like 50 people. <laughs> like, whoa, could somebody get me a cup of coffee? please? <laughs> I'm thinking they're going to be like five people. So again, people asked this one guy, this was, I think the best question. He's, he says, you know, everybody's feeling really great. Everybody's high and they're all, everybody's in a great feeling. And, and, you know, and you know what? I, I'm not feeling that way. If anything, I'm in an opposite feeling. And it's really bothering me because, uh, you know, why am I? Why, what's wrong with me? I mean, he, you, and I had my microphone. It was by then the next day it was 80 people. And I looked and, and he just really got it off his chest. And I, I thought, good for you, you know, that he was willing to share that. And, and so as he finished, I said, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> or I think I said, oh, well, no, I think, oh, well. <laughs> and he, what do you mean? Oh, well. And I said, how many people in this room right now have felt down or depressed or whatever during this conference so far? How many of you have had times where you weren't feeling great and inspired? Everybody raised their hand. And I said, are you noticing you're not the only one? <laughs> and I said, we're not here to, to help you get into a good feeling. That's not what the conference is about. We're here for you to understand what's behind having a good feeling or what's behind not having a good feeling. 
but we're not here to make people have a good feeling. And he looked at me, he said, really? I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. I said, no, you're off the hook. You do not have to have a good feeling. Not required. <laughs> and you could see him, this huge relief. And, and, I, and I said, how many of you do feel like obligated that you have to be in this great feeling or you're not having as enough insights? Like, you know, because for me, I used to look at other people, oh, they're having more insights than me. And, oh, I want to have as many as them. And so we taught, I said, no, we're not here for that. And that everybody just flipped out over that. So I love, I, I prefer Q&A because people will ask a question, a human question. Um, as opposed to like when we would hear Sydney Banks speak, we want to ask the meaning of life questions. And one time I actually brought Sydney Banks into the jail system here. We had 165 inmates. I got permission, got him in, and, and then the word got out and then all the uniforms showed up and a politician showed up. I mean, it was just <laughs> amazing because he was speaking and, and they didn't know who he was, but for some reason, hey, you want to hear this guy? And he spoke very, very, you know, the way he usually speaks to a group. And a, a bunch of the inmates came up to me, Kathy, can, can we spend more time with him? And, and I said, well, it's up to the COs. If they let you stay, that's fine. And so they let about, about 40 of them stay. And they surrounded him. They were so excited about him. And they asked him the, the human question. Sid, do you ever get mad? Do you ever get angry? Have you ever have you ever been in a fight? Did you ever do drugs? I mean, they just asked him human questions and he was brilliant. He said, oh, yeah, I used to drink a lot or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to get oh, he still would get angry. What even after he had his experience. But the bottom line is he loves the human questions. He said when you, he said, yeah, the rest of them, when they ask these the meaning of life questions, He's, he doesn't even want to bother because he said, because you're going to go right into your head with what I'm going to say. So I love the human questions. Mm -hmm. To me, that's where you want to start with people. And, and then they, so that they can understand how it relates to them, their life. Uh, this is not this, you know, pie in the sky, philosophical, you've got to go to the uh, tall mountain in India to, to, you know, understand yeah. this. No, this is an everyday everyday understanding. And that's, that's my most favorite thing. But yeah, that question was really cute. That, yeah. that was great. That was great. Yeah, it, it really reminds me like, you know, like I, I began the, the episode by saying that I couldn't believe that I was season three, right. And there has been an evolution in, in, in all of this. Um, and I remember in season two, I don't know if you know, do you know, Rob Cook? Oh, of course. Well, I, I've only known him recently. Yeah. Since, since he's been involved with 3PGC and all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I haven't known him before that. Okay. So Rob is a good friend of mine. So great in guy, great two, guy. Rob and I were playing together. Like yeah, I, yeah. he would come into my podcast and we mm -hmm. do these segments and things. And when we started working together um, and I'd hit the record button, he'd go, who's that? <laughs> like when I would hang up, like I click stop, he'd go, who's that? Can, can you be Jasmine? Can like, you know? <laughs> oh, meaning you, you changed once. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know, one of the things that I really saw was 
that I had these personas. I had these, I had these hats. I was always a girl that, you know, I could adapt. I could adapt to any situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I had these hats, you know, like, okay, now I got the professional hat. Now I got the funny girl hat. Now I got that, you know, like, and when I hit the podcast button, well, I was the, I'm the host. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean? yeah, and yeah, I'd yeah. Play something. Oh, I'm and glad so, he called you out on that. That's yeah. great. It was fun. Yeah, I was happy too. And but it still is a practice. Like I still yeah, yeah. I can still well, see it. And... Yeah, here's the thing though. I uh, this is this is hysterical. Michael, uh, you know, I did a, a work with Michael. He hired me a number of times to go down to LA and do stuff with his program. And yes. and and then one day he said, I want to have you on my radio show. And I'm like, sure. So um, so you know, I'm, he. I talked to him first and he says, okay, okay. So I'm going to do the, the promo, whatever they do. And then once I get through all that and introduce you, then, you know, I'll, I'll ask you a question. So all of a sudden there was silence because he was clicking into whatever he had to do. And then all of a sudden this person comes on like a DJ, you know, talking. And I'm like, where did Michael go? I started to freak out. Like, well, I, I hope Michael's, I mean, I hope this person, you know, I totally freaked out and then come to realize it was Michael. <laughs> Michael in the DJ mode, I didn't even recognize, I thought a different person came on and I started to freak out like, oh, shoot. Oh, I hope Michael stays on the call. I mean, I was, I'm thinking there was a whole other person. <laughs> So you talk about DJ mode. And after the call, I said, Michael, I didn't, I told him, I said, I thought a different man was on, was taking over something. And he, I said, you, plus he's been an actor. So, I mean, he, that's his thing, but yeah, talk about going into a whole different mode. It totally threw me for a loop. Yeah. Now there's nothing wrong with being a certain way. You know, if you have a radio, I mean, I don't care about that, but it is interesting that we do go into different modes. Like for me, I was, you know, professional at work, come home, mom mode, wife mode, dealing with my parents, the responsible daughter mode. I mean, I was constantly adapting and shifting. And that takes a lot of thought to do that, to constantly do that. And then as I learned the principles over time, I just sort of slipped into just literally being myself. So how I am with you is pretty much how I am in front of a big group of people versus how I am with whoever. And people say the feedback, I guess, what we love about you, Kathy, is you're so down to earth. Well, what they're meaning is I'm, I'm just being myself. And I think when people start to get more neutral about themselves and, and have more compassion for themselves and accept our humanity. Because I used to be hypervigilant about, well, I don't want people to know this about me. Or if people really knew I didn't know what the hell I was doing inside and I, I absolutely have nothing, I have, I'm in over my head, but I'm going to make it look like I have it together. I mean, I did that for 45 years and it's exhausting, but it, that's, that made sense for me to do that. So now I'm the same way when I'm with my grandkids as I am with you now. The only difference with my grandkids is, you know, we're going to play games and we're going to read stories and they love to do pretend. So many times 
I have to pretend I'm somebody, they have to pretend they're, so I have to, you know, stay creative and in the moment with them, but I'm still, I'm still Kathy. And um, so I feel so at ease within myself. And I think that's what people want just to feel at ease, just being yourself. And from that, things will occur to you about what you want to do, what you're interested in. But if your mind is filled with, I should be this way over here and this way over here and this way over here, that is what gets in our way. You know, I, um, I had a hysterectomy when I, would, I was 40. And I have to say that before that, you know, I could hold up all these balls like I was able. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I was a master at it. Yes. But after the hysterectomy, it was like they took the ovaries and they took the uterus and they took a part of my brain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. You had to slow down. You know, that's the thing when I, especially when I work with professionals, we get really good at that. The mental multitasking being on, 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 us thinking ahead, thinking ahead. And one time they asked me to speak to this high level group of people in, in local county government here. And they gave me 15 minutes and I'm like, well, <laughs> what am I going to, so I thought, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So I got in front of them and I said, and this is after the end of a long meeting and it was Friday afternoon. So you can imagine they had one foot out the door. Yeah. So I looked at all of them and I said, how many of you feel inspired at the end of your week? Or how many of you feel mentally drained at the end of your week? And so how many feel inspired? Nobody raised their hand. How many of you feel mentally drained? They all raised their hand. Then I said, how many, when was the last time you were actually, you, you experienced your Sunday? And they said, well, what do you mean experience? Well, where you were in your Sunday and you weren't thinking ahead about what's happening the next week, because when was the last Sunday that you had where you weren't doing that? And one woman goes, never, I never have my Sundays. And, and then, you know, I, you know, how many of you are doing the one thing in front of you, but you're thinking about 15 things while you're doing the one. And, and they're all like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And I said, yeah, well, that's what I do that. I help people understand, first of all, why, why we're burnt out. That's where the burnout's coming from. And I know you have a lot on your plate and a lot of responsibility but that's not what's doing it to you. It's, it's where your mind goes. And so that's what I provide in, in, in my seminars and trainings. When can we sign up? How much do you charge? I mean, in 15 minutes, they were present with me in the room and they said, that is me a hundred percent. And so everybody, when you, when you put it to them that way, but we get so used to it it's, it becomes our normal. Like nobody would consider that they think what they're doing and the responsibility is what's draining them or the, the kids or, you know, financial obligations. And what I have to help them realize is no, it's the meaning you make, the amount of thinking you have about all that stuff. That's what's doing us in. And that's something that, believe it or not, is self-created without our real realizing it. And if we understand it, we can certainly understand when we start feeling that way, we stop looking outside of ourselves and looking at the stuff. 
And we just appreciate, oh, I'm just in too much thinking right now. And boy, talk about having a leverage on your life and, and working with others can make a huge difference. And they, boy, that resonated for them. That they heard that. So yeah, we were just, it, like I said, it's become our new normal. Yeah. To, and I drew the stick figure, Michael Neal, he's so cute. He, he was at this conference and I drew a picture, a little stick figure on a, on a flip chart. And then I drew a lot of lines that represented all the thinking we have. And then I drew a big line and then I added a lot more lines where, I, so if you're, if you feel like your job is draining, you have all that thinking and then, then you feel bad. Oh, I should be happy. I have a job or, or yeah. maybe it's the right. So it's the thinking on top of the thinking as opposed to, all right, I'm just in a lot of thinking about my job right now. And Michael, he said, he walked in, in the middle of that. He saw the flip chart and he said, that's it. I mean, he, he didn't even hear what I was saying. He saw it. And later on, he told me, he said, Kathy, I put it in one of my books, but I gave you credit. <laughs> <laughs> so at the, it's funny. So Christine Heath, a colleague of mine, she comes up to me towards the end of the day at this conference. She goes, people are walking around with this stick figure thing. What the heck's going on? I said, oh, I use that as a, you know, a way for them to understand how we, we pile thought on top of thought. And, and she says, Oh, okay. She said, people are just told, I said, well, I helped them get what we were saying, what we're saying here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so cute. And the guy, one guy in the audience, he said, could I have that, that, that flip that paper, you know, what I drew it on that sheet. Yeah. Yeah. The sheet. I said, really? Cause I scribbled. <laughs> and, and then he said, would you sign it for me, please? I'm like, Oh, come on. No, really? He said, no, no, please. please. I said, whatever. <laughs> About three months later, he sends me a picture. He got it framed. <laughs> hey, if it landed, it landed. What can you do? But again, it helps us appreciate how we innocently do this to ourselves without realizing it. And, and just appreciating, yeah, we're going to have days where we have a ton of stuff on our mind. But if we try to get out of it or we feel bad about it or whatever it is we do, that's the issue, not the fact that we're in it. And when we wake up to it, all we have to realize is, okay, you know, tsunami wave of thoughts coming through. Okay, you know, I'll just ride out the storm, but I don't need to get in there and analyze it or figure it out or any, because that just makes it bigger. I remember you're, you're reminding me of a situation that happened for me. It was years ago. And, you know, thinking about the stick figure, I had bubbles. I had cartoons and <laughs> bubbles, you know, like bubbles are great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I had bubbles. So something happened and it hadn't happened to me in, in like this, I think ever. Um, I was with a colleague and the colleague was obviously having a bad day. And he, he literally screamed at me. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. he oh, was, yeah. he was verbally abusive and all of this. And I was, just, I was in such shock. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just like, yeah. And I, I walked out and I went into the, my car and, and I was literally in shock and I was going, wow, he just chewed me a good one. Now that was like, like he really, and then I was like, okay, wait, let me put the training, you know, and, and like, I've got all this training, what am I going to do with it? And I, rem and, and I remember the drive from 
where I was to home was like 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And on the way there, I could, I could almost see the bubble growing, (laughs) you know, I could, and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Like I could see all the stuff I was putting in there. Yeah. 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 Really interesting. And then, but I decided not to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would just see it grow. And I was like, "Hmm." yeah. And I, and that day I was invited to go have dinner with my dad. And so I get there and I sit at the table and I said, you know, he just screamed at me. And as I said that, I saw my dad's face go. Yeah. 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 What do you mean? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? He screamed at, and then I saw the bubble on top of his head. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't take much. Yep. And then I was like, oh, and then I saw that I could say something grow my bubble would reach his bubble make a mega bubble over the table and i just changed yeah, yeah, the subject yeah, and yeah, i yeah. didn't do anything with yeah, it yeah, and yeah, i yeah. was yeah, yeah. amazed that yeah, yeah. you know like they say when when i first started learning about the principle it was like just don't feed the thought and it's not gonna yeah, grow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. gonna pass through yeah it's yeah. Just yeah fleeting and i really saw it pass yeah yeah, yeah. Until I saw clearer and I saw, okay, it is not right. You don't scream. Oh, that's, that's right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But if I would have responded in that moment, then there would have been a lot of anger. There would have been a lot of words I would have been upset with, but now I was just like, that just, you you don't scream at me like that. And I was able to have a calm, rational conversation. And before I did anything, he apologized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. But so, it, it, you know, and intuitively, you know, how many times have you heard the sayings, oh, just sleep on it and you'll, you'll feel better in the morning. Um, you know, today I was doing, working with a group of car salesmen, you know, and they've gone through the training. So I'm, we're checking in, how are they doing? And three of them said, you know, my grandmother used to say stuff like this. And I said, yeah, this is wisdom that's been around since day one. This is nothing new, but we just, we just forget, you know, we just forget about it. And we are so used to going into reaction. Whereas when you start to understand the role of thought in the whole thing, and cause you, you're just in it, you, you can't make yourself not be, I mean, there is no way you can make yourself get calm. Yeah. But you can appreciate, oh man, I'm getting flooded right now wow, this is interesting. And then you saw the potential of your dad getting flooded. And now we're all off to the races. And usually people, they will come back and realize, wow, what, where was I? Not everybody. Or if it's important and you need to work with a person and they haven't realized it, you can still come back from a, from a more calm, neutral place and, and say, listen, uh, help me understand what happened yesterday. I'm not quite sure why that happened that you would yell at me like that. So yeah, absolutely. We can address it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, but that little stick figure. (laughs) Yeah. It went a long way. It it works. It works. (laughs) Or bubbles or whatever it's going to hear. You want to hear a cute story about uh, metaphors. Um, Miss Beverly, uh, Miss Beverly. um, She was, she was at the last conference, but anyway, this amazing woman, she um, did taught the principles with me in the jail. Okay. 
And she came up with this beautiful metaphor. So she draw an outline of a body and she draw a big blue circle in the middle, solid blue circle. And she called it, everybody has their own blue dot. Uh, wisdom, you know, spirit. She used the blue dot as a symbol for innate well-being, you know, all of that. And so, and, and boy, they got it. They said, we don't care what you've done in your life. You still have this core of wisdom and well-being. And we talked about why we come away from it. Even though we're away from it, it's still there. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So they had an art class after our class. So they did all this great artwork, and there were amazing, amazing artists locked up. Let me tell you, I, I'm totally amazed at the artwork. So they on this big, huge newsprint, and so the art teacher put all the artwork all around this kind of big room. It was it was almost like a like a high school stadium kind of room, and. Um, because they're about 60 guys. So she put all the artwork up and they all had a blue dot in their artwork somewhere there. And, and, and the, the art teacher's like, what's up with the, oh, that's our innate. Well, I mean, it was so cute, right? Yeah. Well, the correctional officer comes in and he sees all the artwork and he immediately locks the whole group down, sends them back to, to their, to their cells, locked down, and, and because what the in what the correctional officer saw was the blue dot was a symbol. It was a gang symbol. Mm. And in California, the Nutenio colors color is blue. And so the officer immediately said they're doing gang stuff. Lockdown. They were locked down for a whole week. I didn't know this had happened. We come in waiting for the guys and the guy says, no, you're not going to get them today. Well, what happened? You know, lockdown, you know, was there a fight or something? Oh, no, no, they're doing gang stuff. We said, what do you mean? And all the artwork was gone. It was taken down. Well, they had this blue dot thing going on. And I, when I heard that, I was just like, officer, that isn't gang stuff. That was the symbol we used for their innate well-being. <laughs> he looked at us. He said, you couldn't pick yellow. <laughs> you pick, you had to pick blue, <laughs> red or blue, bad colors. And we, and I, he looked at me and you could tell he, you know, he felt bad, but he was pissed off at us because we should know better. And so the next week we, you know, of course the inmates show up for class and they were a little Upset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not at us, at the correctional right. officers. Yeah. See, they didn't know. And so we we had an opportunity in real time to look at psychological innocence and how he had one meaning. The art teacher, she, you know, she asked them, well, what does that mean? And you know, she didn't just assume right off the bat it was, you know, gang colors. And whereas the officer, he didn't even ask, he just shut it down. Yeah. So it was a good lesson to talk about separate realities and, and everybody has their own unique way of seeing things and all that, but it was quite an interesting experience. <laughs> so after that, we, and especially with kids, juveniles, cause I've worked in the juvenile system, you definitely don't get into colors there. Yeah. It's a big issue. <laughs>
Kathy, thank you so much for accepting oh, my offer. It was it's been fantastic fun. talking it's been to fun. you. Thank you for the opportunity. Let me ask um, if people want to get in touch with you, like, you know, you offer you offer some seminars and things like that. How yeah, well, yeah, I, I do a lot of mentoring. Uh, that's whatever. I, I do everything. Yeah. The best way to get a hold of me is my email. I do not do face FaceTime. I do not have a faith. I do not do. I don't have a website. I do not have a website. None of that. My email is the best way to get a hold of me. So if you want to hand that out, feel free. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the in the description yeah, for yeah. those of you who want to reach out to yeah, yeah. Kathy. I'm totally open to that. Thank you. Thank you, so Jasmine. Much and you have a good, uh, good rest of the day. And for everybody else listening to us, I'm going to say dream it, dare it, do it. Live the life you want. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.